Coming to you live from Sarasota, Florida. Welcome into Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. It is awesome to have finally have arrived in Florida. The weather, as you can imagine, has been perfect. I will not be missing all of the cloudy days uh, this time of year back in Cincinnati. On this episode, we are going to check in with Steve Dineman. He is the head coach for one of the best junior colleges in the country, Sinclair Community College. This season will be Steve's 13th year as head coach for the Tartan Pride and 18th as a member of the organization. Steve has had an overall record of 501 and 163, including at least 45 wins a year since 2014. In 2019, he was named OCCAC Coach of the Year. He sent over 100 players on to four-year schools and schools including eight from last year's team that all went division one last fall I actually uh, was able to go up to Sinclair and through some batting practice and just wanted to watch and see uh, their program and I was just blown away with the talent level that they have there and you could just you could tell Steve really connects with all of his players and he doesn't micromanage every single part of practice or um, just as a program at all you know he lets his assistants coach and that's it was awesome to see uh, so whether you're, you are a player or a coach or just a fan of the game, I think you're going to uh, really enjoy learning about uh, junior college base, baseball and how one of the best junior college programs in the country uh, runs their program. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on Steve Inman. All right, we now welcome on uh, Steve. Steve, really appreciate you coming on today, man. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. So... Opening day for you guys at the junior college level is coming up um, really soon here. What are you kind of like, what, what's your anticipation for this, uh, this 2020 team? Well, we have very high expectations. You know, we, uh, we come in every class every year now at this point. The teams before that have kind of set the, set the tone for what the expectations are. So, you know, we expect every year to win the conference. We expect to, to win a regional, and we expect to compete to win a national championship, um, having been to the World Series twice in the last four years. And so every class comes in with that, that hope and that desire and, you know, willingness to put the work in to get there and stuff. And um, this has been a very enjoyable team, for sure, so far. You know, we haven't played anybody else, but, you know, team chemistry seems to be good. Guys getting along really, really well and just putting the work in and pushing each other. So, um, historically last year we started the same weekend as division one. So this coming weekend and <clears throat> this year, just the way the calendar fit in, we decided to go a week later and stuff, but you know, I don't think you're ever fully prepared. Um, <laughs> I'm going to group me with some coaches across country. And, and one of the guys, um, said recently, it was like, you're never going to be fully prepared, but just gotta be more prepared than the guy you're playing. So <laughs> hopefully we'll be more prepared to them. Although they're going to be about 10 to 12 games in, it will be outside for the second time all year. So, um, but yeah, we're ready to roll. Well, you, I mean, you guys are a juggernaut though. I mean, it seems like every year I, I was looking at, uh, some of, um, just your stats and in past records online. And I mean, you guys dominate like across the board, how, I mean, this is your 13th season as, as head coach this year. If I, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. what's, what's like your key reason that you guys have been able to be so successful for so long. Cause it's not like it's just sure. been one year or two years. It's every single year. Yeah, we talk about that as a staff as well because, you know, it's <laughs> we every year we're looking at teams now. We're like, is this a team that's going to win a national championship? And that's the level you're at. And so you kind of, you know, doubt where you're at different times. But 
I think Kia is getting good players. We've been able to really recruit and highlight, um, select some of the best players in this region that we feel are guys that you know, either need another opportunity. You know, they went to a Division One program that just wasn't a fit for them there, and they're seeking another chance to kind of get back into things, or just guys that we feel like are almost there, just not quite there. You know, maybe academically they're a little bit behind, um, physically they're a little behind. We just need some more of that development, and that, and that development phase is so important at our level. Even at the four-year school, those first two years are crucial because guys still have a lot of, you know, of a uh, – a lot, a lot to build on, you know, their frames, they develop differently. You know, I was talking about guys in high school, you can lift all day long, look at your arms and like nothing's changed, but you can tell a freshman to sophomore in our program pretty easily when they first show up on campus. I think that's across the board too. So just looking for those guys, find the right players. I think having the coaching staff that we have has been a big, big reason um, why we've been so successful because it's really consistent. There hasn't been like the guy that's trying to come here and then leave and try to find a new job. And there's nothing against that. I mean, everyone's got to try to find the job that they're looking for and stuff like that. But you know, we have mainstays who just do it because they love doing being around young kids and baseball and want to help them grow and learn and develop. Um, Tom and Terry Bell, they've been baseball great guys for the community for 20-plus years, um, both in the staff and, and Mike Parr been here for 10 years and Matt. So we just have a really good group of guys that just – we haven't really had to replace anybody for the most part. So – well, speaking of, of uh, you know, how to recruit and things like that, you know, you guys are a little bit unique just because you can get guys who are at the Division One program. You can get guys at the high school level, D2, D3. So how do you go about identifying um, what players you want? I mean, do, do you just sure. bring in, like, as many guys as possible and just, like, let's find out who's, who's going to be – who's going to win the spot? That's a great question because every junior college is different. And I have some buddies at some of the really good junior colleges across the country who that's kind of been the mentality is sink or swim, you know, bring in 60, 70 guys, they play each other, some fizzle out, some stay and you got your ball club. And that's never been our mentality. Um, ours has always been every roster spot matters. Every player matters. And we're going to recruit one through 42. This 42 is like a max for us. Excuse me. Although um, in the last two years we had started with 40 and that included a bullpen catcher. So, um, for us, it's just looking for the right guys. And again, you know, we like guys with athleticism, as everybody else says as well. Guys can do multiple things. Um, maybe on the mound, guys with some arm strength that haven't figured out, you know, secondary pitches or that guy with pitch ability who just the velo is not there yet. And, you know, we like to hope that just getting stronger and doing some things and kind of help them, you know, get a catch up with everybody else. And that's happened the last couple of years. We had back to back years where a pitcher has been like A284 with a good breaking ball, good feel for the strike zone. And then just kicking butt in the weight room, nutritionally, gaining weight, getting stronger. And like the first inner squad out, like popping 90s. And you're like, okay, that's going to change your recruitment a little bit um, for the schools you can go to because you'll already be able to spin it a little bit. So, but we rely, we don't get to go out as much as most schools do because we all work other jobs. I work full time on campus, I'm a lead enrollment specialist. So, uh, historically in the, in, the, in the summer, I work all my hours. So, I work eight to five in the summer. And then usually 8 to 12 during the school year. So I had to pick and choose my recruiting battles. So we rely a lot on scouts and, and coaches to contact us and players to contact us. And, um, you know, we also have to trust really good high school programs, too. We get got some guys from some of the better programs in our state. You know, we've had some guys from Moore the last couple of years. Um, we have some guys from guy from St. Ignatius this year. A lot of those Columbus schools, they have phenomenal coaches. Grove City. Grove City has been one of our, our best schools as far as getting players from and Coach Alexander. And then, um, you know, schools in our area and the G-Walk 
you know, the, the, the Butlers, the, the Beaver Creek. There's been some good programs there. We've got some players from too. Tip City, we've got a lot of players from them. So um, it's just always a revolving door for us, the roster. You never know what you need um, because guys are gone very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I guess uh, I, I would kind of like compare it to maybe like Kentucky basketball, right, where you know they, yeah. they feel like they recruit those guys and then they're gone after a year. So – how is it yeah. is it hard to build that team chemistry knowing that well a every player on your roster wants to essentially get recruited by someone else because they want to go play Division one baseball somewhere more than mm-hmm. likely and just how you how do you build that team chemistry because you know you want to win now yeah it's got to be intentional so we do a lot for team chemistry and it's all intentional so um, we just you know make sure that we're spending time with guys. We do like a meet your teammates thing where they spend ten minutes with each other. They ask questions that I give them, um, random questions they have to talk about and have conversations. And you know team chemistry. We do so much stuff with team chemistry and try to build those relationships with players and amongst themselves. But really, it never fully gets better until like you're playing against somebody else. And so it's like us versus them. And that's when the season it really starts to kind of have those bonds and everyone kind of you know comes together a little more and stuff like that. So. But yeah, no, it, we always tell them though it's it's like playing in a uh, a good, you know, high school program or summer program. As you guys keep winning games, you know, if you go to the state tournament in the final four, you know, now all of a sudden there's 20, 30, 40 schools there. So as your program does better, summer or high school, people come to watch you play. So as our program has evolved, and every time we go to the World Series, we add 15, 20 schools. It seems like colleges or pro scouts to our recruiting database. You have opportunities because of that. And so it's no coach has ever called me to this day and said, you know, how many home runs does Mike Sears have? You know, what's the ERA of um, AJ Peters? They're going to come watch a play. We're going to market our guys in a way where we get video out to guys and, you know, we'll have every episode and all those different numbers that guys want to see as well. And uh, just trying to uh, get them to buy in. And they do. They, they just kind of been said, it's hard to say a culture set at a junior college and you say, cause they're all gone. You know, we return an average of 10 to 11 and 12 a year, but it seems like, we just have the right guys returning every year where it just, it keeps it to that level we want to be at. So um, it'd be fun to see guys a little bit longer and see them develop. You know, we've had a lot of guys leave here, then get drafted and play professionally. And, you know, we were a small part of that as far as the school they were at, but uh, kind of see those best days when they were juniors or sophomores or seniors. But, you know, it's kind of a part of the, the deal. Um, last year we had three freshmen, one and done. One went to Wright State, one went to Western Kentucky, and one went to New Mexico. And this year, there's possibility for two or three more freshmen than one and done, and that's why you never know what you need. So, so how do you know? Place. How do you already know that they they might be one and done? Like, do you, um, just do a, you get yeah. calls from coaches, and that's how sure. they get recruited, or? Well, yeah, yes and no. Some coaches know they're here, and they're kind of keeping tabs on them as far as how they've been doing, what's going on. I just also get that feeling after I've been able to be in this game for so long. You know, I, I've, I've seen these guys do it. Like, I've seen the guys, the guys are recruiting. I know where guys fit in. You know, there, there's a lot of guys I know will play at the highest level at this level. And there's some guys I know that it might only take one year and they're out of here. And so, um, but everyone has a choice, too. You know, we had a guy a couple years ago out of high school, or out of the first year of, uh, here at Sinclair, a couple, two, three offers from maybe some smaller schools, some good programs of some smaller schools. And he felt really comfortable with Coach Parr. He knew he was paying next to nothing for school, wanted to come back, and all of a sudden open an opportunity to get a scholarship to a Power Five, which was his dream. So um, every case is going to be different as far as the schools they go to. So, Yeah, no, that's uh, – I've always been kind of interested just because, again, like the GK level is so unique. Now, how does it work with uh, scholarships? 
so scholarship-wise, um, in a perfect world, we would match the schools we compete against at the national level, but we don't. So you're allowed to have 24 full-ride scholarships at junior college, and it's all school by school, what your school wants to do. Our school gives us five in-state scholarships. And so a scholarship from us is like, you know, Brutowski, the Texas Tech now, he got a $1,000 scholarship to come to Sinclair. <laughs> wow. You know, that kid that kid could have went to any JUCO in Florida, any school in the country, and got everything paid for and not to pay for a meal. And so, you know, we've got to sell just the, you know, the program, the facilities, the chance to win, the coaching staff, all the little things that, that make us a very good program. Um, but that's a tough part of it is not having that money and, and having like 16 to 17 guys get like $1,000, $2,000, stuff like that. Now, with that being said, in state – School's only five thousand dollars for the year, uh, tuition wise, and so that's you know more manageable. And, and this year's roster, out of the forty guys, a fourth of the guys in the roster uh, went to Catholic high schools or private high schools. So I'm sure their parents are happy that they're paying less for college than high school. Um, but it's the out-of-state guys, the guys that really could would want to come here just because Southwest Ohio has such good baseball and good opportunities. But if it's ten thousand, fifteen thousand versus free, you're not winning that kid too often. Um, yeah. The guys we have have had success. You know, Mitch Roman was our shortstop, 2014, drafted in the 12th round out of Wright State as a junior. Mitch, um, <laughs> he he paid less to go to Wright State than Sinclair because of the scholarship they gave him after his freshman year and because he was out of state tuition for us. So, um, but yeah, I mean, everyone has their challenges. Every school has to you know fight through different things. But scholarships to me really shouldn't be one of them when you have a school like Sinclair that you know has you know, financially is in a good spot and does a good job as far as, you know, everything else. I just think that we probably could invest more in our student athletes from the scholarship standpoint. Yeah. And, and some of the kids that I've talked to, um, you know, I just think the JUCO route is such a good route for so many different players, because even if you go to a four year school, those first two years, a, you don't really know what you want to do and B you're just going to take core classes anyway. So sure. you go to a, you know, a, go play for someone like yourself where you're going to develop, you know, play at a high level, um, and take to a lot of those core classes to get them done. And then you can transfer. I think it's, I mean, a really good idea for a lot of different players. Yeah, and that's the thing with recruiting, too. There's, like, not a guy that we can't recruit or have a conversation about. You know, even the kid who's probably ranked number one in the class who's going to Vanderbilt, like, that kid could have – he could have a conversation with us if they were serious about, you know, improving draft stock or they didn't like where they were selected or, you know, whatever else. There's It's not a guy that we can't call. Now, again, the chances of that guy going to junior college in Ohio, it's all this varies, you know, on case-to-case basis. But there's not a guy we can't talk to, whereas, you know, at some levels, like – you're not calling the, the top 10 player from a division two school in the state of Ohio. Like he's not going to your school. He's going to some power five or something like that. So um, we're going to retain those ideas. We have those conversations and we have a guy right now who transferred from a, an sec school who was a top 15, top 20 guy and stuff like that. But, you know, to be able to get him and, and keep him away from the San Jacks and Chipolas of the world is, is not easy, but it's just about, you know, selling the rest of stuff that makes you good and makes you great as a program. So, one of the one of the things I was doing actually this morning was I was watching uh, your ABCA uh, Barnstormers talk at Wright State, and I loved uh, some of the the signs that that you used. <laughs> I, my thing, my favorite was the uh, "Be Like Tom" from Fifty First Dates, where he forgets yeah. after like ten seconds. Uh, yeah. that, that was awesome. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. So yeah, we have fun in the dugout and like in that presentation. You know, I when you're asked to do those different talks and speeches, like. I don't feel like I do anything great. I feel like that's even something like with, you know, what you're doing and, and a hitting guy, like, you know, you've made that 
great. Like you work your butt off, you study it, you you just every day trying to get better at something like that. I think as a head guy, you just have to do everything. But there's not one thing that I said like that's the, from teaching the game. Is, is, excuse me, like that I'm like that's the best that I, I'm the best at that kind of thing. But I think the dugout when I talk to people about that, that's that's a controllable and and that's something we can be good at. We can create a positive environment and we can have structure and make sure everyone's being accountable and doing the charts and stuff like that. And if we do that, like we're giving ourselves the best chance to win. And so I do think the dugout is important. And that's why I've been coaching the dugout since 2009, because you get a better feel for what's going on. You get a better feel for your, your team and how, you know, do we need to address something? Um, you know, is this guy ready to go? Or I can walk down there and tell Johnny like, Hey Johnny, like, you know, go over there and you get loose. You're going to face that lefty in the bullpen later instead of yelling across the field while I'm coaching a base. And, hey, get that guy a bat. Like, so I know that the professional level managers in the dugout, and I know college is kind of maybe a, a coin toss and stuff. But I just feel so much more comfortable. I started doing that because of Rob Cooper. And um, I, don't, I can't imagine being out there again <laughs> doing the bases. I just have a better feel for the offense when I'm in the dugout. So. I saw also heard you talk about uh, doing the concentration grids. What, have you mm-hmm. found those help the hitters out a lot? Yeah, so we're we're big in the mental game and sports psychology. I think that's a staple for our program. You know, whereas when I first started teaching like mental skills and you know using heads up baseball as a textbook, the original, and then Brian Kane stuff, like I'd say it was probably like I don't know twenty five percent guys are paying attention, and you know you always have those guys that aren't paying attention, but then years later, like wow, that was really helpful and. That's helped me through life and everything else. And that's what you get the most um, response back is like how much mental skills and mental straining have helped them beyond the game of baseball. But now at this point, like it's a hundred percent, like they're all coming in there. They're all ready to learn about it. They all know about it. You know, we have to kind of retool their mind a little bit because you're dealing with young people who, especially if they have no idea what the mental game's about or sports psychology, they just, their brains have been programmed that they're only going to be confident when they have positive outcomes. And so, when they're doing that in baseball, as you know, when they fail more, which happens in college and every level they get above, they just ride this roller coaster of up and down, up and down. And so we really try to teach them that the preparation is how you get your confidence. And as far as mental game training goes, the concentration grids are amazing. Our guys compete with themselves or themselves, each other before the game. It just gets the focus up and the intention, attention up and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we do a ton of stuff with, Sports psych, concentration grid, mental game, and even um, Dr. Mark Humpert's a sports psychology professor on campus, and me and him are pretty close. He's been helping us since day one, and he actually gives us, since we do we use grids, we do a bunch of different psychological tests, and then he gives us a player profile on each player, and it's absolutely scary how close they are to accurate to the player as far as like their personality, how they need to be coached, stuff like that. Um, we just finished having this conversation with guys and I'd say maybe one out of like 40 was like, I don't know if that's me or not. The rest of them were like scared. That I was saying those things, <laughs> you know, cause it was like, how's this guy know about me? And it was just all these different tests and stuff. So but yeah, grids are definitely a good thing. And then, you know, the deep breath diaphragmatic breathing is always the number one tool of the mental game that we work on and routines and all those, those fun things. But it's a buy-in thing now. And I think that's why we've been so consistent in the early years. We were really successful. I don't think talent wise, we were better than, you know, maybe some of the teams we were beating, but we were just consistent with our approach and consistent with our mental skills. And now talent-wise, we're kind of up to par with those schools and we have usually have good mental games. So it's a win-win. <clears throat> Do you find that um, with helping with – like that helps with the mental game is like telling your guys you're not worried or really thinking about the batting average as a statistic? 
Yeah. I mean, we, we only value quality of bats. That's our number one value. And everyone does quality of bats different. Again, I'm in a group of people that <laughs> we do video chats, a group across the country um, of coaches called the Nectons. And we had a quality of bat battle the other day about, you know, is it important? Is it not important? But it's all about what you value and is it successful for you? And so ours is like, there's, there's like maybe 10, 11 ways to get a quality of bat. It's a lot. And, um, there's things that I do at our level that maybe I wouldn't do at a higher level that I get a quality bat. For example, like a two straight ground ball for me is a quality bat because I want them to put the ball in play and compete. That's not a quality of bat at professional baseball or some division one programs you right. know, where that, where they feel it so well, just an out. And then, so like technically a guy could have, you know, roll over a hundred swings, to the second baseman with two strikes and get a hundred percent average. Um, and then be batting zero, zero, zero and suck. But, you know, it works itself out. You know, when we had our percentage last year, over 63% for us, we were 35 and one. And the guys that give us good quality bats, good team bats play. There's never been a guy like in the top three where he's not playing. He's not going to chance because he's doing something to help the team win. So I think when you do the quality of bats and you give them more chances for success, you know, you kind of take away that pressure sometimes of worrying about the batting average and the numbers and stuff. And, um, and that's why I do it to keep guys more positive and, you know, know that those it was a good at bat. You know, you just recruiting. You know, you see too many guys that have good at bats. You know, they moved a runner over. They saw four or three three pitches after two strikes is one of our categories. Um, and then they barreled two baseballs. And after the game, the kid's down. He's terrible. I was zero for four. And you're like, like, dude, you had four good at bats. You got four quality bats. That's good. Right. You know, I don't think you you don't want to bat zero zero zero. But if you keep doing these things right, eventually the baseball gods will reward you, and you'll probably end up with some good numbers and good stats. Um, but yeah, that's we've we kind of took the pressure, taking the pressure off our guys a little bit, I would say, and um, you know just focus on that, focus on giving us quality of bats, and if you do that, you'll find a way in the lineup. So yeah, I was I was talking to one of my buddies uh, the other day who who was told by one of his coaches in the minor leagues, you know, you have two two cookie jars right at the beginning of the year and they're empty. And, you know, one's for outs and one's for hits. And you have to understand that both are going to be full by the end of the year. So, you know, if one starts to get you know more full at the beginning, you, know, you can't freak out because, again, by the end of the year, they both will get full. So I like the way you put that. That's awesome. You are. It's going to end up where you're supposed to be at the end of the day. So, um, but as you know, we got some guys too that come in and they're freshmen, first time in college, and you know they struggle in the fall and they press a little bit and they worry about things. And you know, we just made final roster decisions on who are redshirt and who are not, and you could just see some of these guys carrying over bats. And even though you talk about it, just not really buying in yet. And then just the release of like, you know, hey, you're on the roster. Like, oh my gosh. Or like, <laughs> hey, like you're you're still gonna play, man. You had a great fall. You're one of our guys. Like. Don't worry that you're one for 12 right now with seven Ks. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, we just got to get through it and start giving me some more value at the plate and just compete. So, I think, well, one of the things that uh, I, so I, for those listening, I went up and saw one of your practices um, out back in the fall. And, you know, I, first of all, you guys are just, there's so many different studs on that team. I mean, it's, it's so impressive to, to just uh, sit there and watch. But one of the things that I liked about your style was you didn't really, you didn't micromanage every single, um, player, you know, you didn't micromanage the pitchers and the hitters and fielding and everything. You kind of let those guys do their own thing and kind of, uh, kind of going into player development now, which is such a hot topic right now. Sure. I think, um, I, I guess I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you go about player development, but I do, I did really like how 
you know, player development doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be coaching more in a sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, let's for the record, you didn't just show up. You actually contributed. So thank you for that. <laughs> there, there's some some good beeps and we're around the guys and stuff. So it was, it was fun having you at that day. So, um, but yeah, I don't, it's, it's not always just telling them what to do and instructing them and, and making sure you're, you're in their ear every second. I mean, there's just more than one way to be successful. And we've never been that micromanaging kind of, kind of group as a staff as a whole. You know, we're going to have our absolutes. We're going to have our constants that we want guys to have. But even from the pitching side, one thing Mike, Coach Parr does, Mike Parr, my pitching coach, who's unbelievable, Mike doesn't like just say this is my way or the highway. And none of us are like that. And so, like, yeah, we'll have some constant you have to do. But, like, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we have a guy right now who's, who comes in and does some extra work and has some – he's on his own program. And that's fine because he does what Mike needs him to do and then does his own things. But there's those horror stories of programs where, like, you know, a guy will use plyo balls or weighted balls his whole life and he feels comfortable and that's how he – he feels like his velocity's gotten stronger and he goes to that school and they're like, you can't use those anymore. Like what? <laughs> like I've been doing that for, that's how I, how I do my, my stuff. So uh, we don't want to do that at all with our guys. We want to make sure that we are, you know, giving them opportunities to develop, but then giving them as much information as possible. And then like, it's like us as coaches, we're trying to get as many, much information as possible and then pick and choose what works best for us. Sometimes trial and error and sometimes, you know, just learning from others and expensive experiences. But you know, we give our guys so much information and like they it's just funny how they, they everyone learns differently, too, as you know that like they learn some guys are visual, some guys you know hear it, some guys see it done, whatever it's going to be. But uh, from the player development standpoint, I would say that's that's always the number one focus when we do recruiting. That's our number one slide is player development. And we spend some time on that, just going over all the stuff that we have for our guys from different tools to all stuff that we're able to give them. And just th- making that the focus and the priority because that's how you win games. Like we don't sit there and talk about winning games, but if everyone is really, really good, we're going to win games. <laughs> we're yeah. going to get the out- outcomes we desire. Um, but it's like full circle for us. Like we talk about nutritional stuff. We have a plan for that. Now, again, as a junior college, we don't have the protein shakes waiting for guys and we don't have the budgets to be feeding them at all different times, but we give them the resources and tools to see how that's done. Um, we have obviously the mental skills. We have a team chaplain, which, again, this is just the personal side of things, but it gives guys a chance to work on spirituality, um, individual sessions, you know, mixture of plyo balls, hitting balls, throwing balls, weighted bats, underload, overload, um, you know, ropes in our cages, trying to look for the, the launch angle we're looking for for swings and barreling baseballs and stuff like that. So just a lot of different things that we feel, you know, can help guys get stronger and get better. So, But I do think that just give them more information – and it's not just for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm not you know, too prideful to be like, Hey, let's bring someone in. Like if you want to come and talk to guys about hitting, like I would give you the floor in a heartbeat to say, you know, come talk about what you know or what you feel or what you, what you've learned. And, and we all learn together. That's something here too, as well. Like if I went to the ABCA and I'm like, you know, I'll give you another example was, I think it was a uh, Michigan uh, package. He, his presentation, the ABC a couple years ago was like, like felt like that was me like that's how we do hitting stuff like all the offensive stuff that he was teaching was like what we've been teaching just a different voice of saying it and so we watched that as a group part of his presentation we stopped it and talked about it and stuff and it's always good for guys to see different people say different things because i know you've coached at different levels and stuff and everyone's a little bit different man it seems like you know just learning from different people or like you know if all of a sudden you came in and, and you're with the Orioles. Our guys might be a little bit more focused when you're in there instead of me telling them and stuff like that. So, but whatever it takes to try to get the best player out of them and hope to help them get to the next level. And, 
you know, win us a lot of games, I guess. So, do you feel like uh, more the more of your hitters are now overthinking because there's so much information out there on social media and everything? Yeah, I, I think that that's part of it, you know, and that's why our coaching staff. We have a couple older coaches, and they're like, you know, one day one guy was like, "Do you feel like you're being challenged all the time?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "These kids," and like, and I said, "You know, but here's why they they want to they challenge you because they see it in all these different places and areas and stuff like that, and you know." I'm not like about like, Hey, I found this on social media proves my um, right. Like it's right. It's the only way to do things. There are obviously so many ways to be successful. I mean, if you just go on hitting Twitter for the day, there is about 7 million gurus hitting gurus. And there's, there's some that you watch and you're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This guy is an absolute moron. And you probably know who I'm talking about, but like some of the stuff he does works for some people. Like, he obviously has a couple of clients. It's work for other people. It, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for some guys. And that's the thing I always try to tell them is like, you know, if you – we're always open too. So if someone does see something and they want to talk about it, let's discuss it. Let's have that conversation because maybe it works better for you. Whatever gets the best out of you, I don't care, you know. And I, we talked about it as well, like, you know, hitting changes and, you know, the concepts or ideas of what we're teaching and stuff. And if all of a sudden someone's like, well, your bat should be laying flat down, you know – you know, pointing to the catcher, your actual barrel is pointing to the catcher and swing like this. If that guy swung at that and he was barreling baseballs and just hitting smoke balls, all lasers across the diamond, no one would care. Like, just keep hitting like that. You know, why would I change you if that's successful for you? So, um, I know you've heard it before and I, I think one of the guys recently said it, but you know, you can have that, that beautiful, gorgeous looking swing that looks so good in the cage, but you have no timing and, and you hit nothing. You have that awful, gross-looking swing that looks terrible, but he has good timing, and he, he still hits balls. So at least that gives them a chance and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, I, I do find that they question things more, and they want to know more information, but good for them. They have all the information too. Um, I don't think – I think it could be overload where it could make guys worse if you let that happen, if you don't discuss it and openly talk about it and you know let them know it's okay to do those things. Like the other day, we said your swing is your swing. You're not making too many more adjustments the rest of the year. Like you had all winter to work on things. Now it's about when you get in that box, you're competing. You're not worrying about where this is and where that is because if you're worrying about stuff mechanically, you are going to have no chance in the box. I 100% agree with that. Now, do you change your uh, coaching philosophy in a sense if you're playing on a turf field versus grass? Not really. Maybe we should. (laughs) I I never thought of that, so thanks for bringing that up. I'll I'll consider that. We don't have to play on grass as much anymore, to be honest. Our postseason is all on turf. Um, and actually our home field, as you know, is on turf as well. So, um, yeah, I didn't think about it too much. You know, I think all the turfs play a little differently too. Some are a little bit faster, some are a little bit slower, but, um, yeah, even, we don't even recruit for our field. I wish we did sometimes because if we just got big lefties, like we have this year, that one lefty plays first base, I mean, that porch and right field is short and we could just dominate that porch over there. But, um, yeah, no, I never really thought about that. I guess I probably should consider that. So outside of baseball, I know you're a, you're a big soccer fan, but you're also a big Green Bay Packers fan. Which one do you love more? Uh, I would say the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, as, as part owner of the team, that's my my true love there. Um, I am the only baseball coach, one of the three baseball coaches in the country, like soccer, and get routinely made fun of about it. I don't care. I love the sport. I wish the United States would play a little better, but um, but yeah, the Green Bay Packers are it for me, and my daughter's three. And we have another one on the way, hopefully, before the season starts in a couple weeks. <laughs> but uh, my daughter is she's go pack go, and she's all into it and stuff. So that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. So, 
Daddy coaches baseball and go pack go. That's all she really cares about. Do you have a favorite soccer team you follow? I don't. I used to always like the teams in Europe that had USA players. So like FC Fulham had like Dempsey for a while and Brian McBride. Um, So I kind of like them a little bit, but you know, I just like the sport. I guess I would say just the U S national team. Um, I pay money to the American outlaws every year. It doesn't really do me any good. It gives me a t-shirt, which is cool every year, but (laughs) I wish my money would go to hiring some better staff members and just kind of (laughs) figuring out how to be more successful, I guess. But um, but yeah, as, as big as a sports fan, sport nut as I am, you know, I, you know, you kind of get older, you don't have as much time anymore. Like I can't remember the last time I watched Sports Center from start to finish. Um, I just don't have my my interests now are more just always my guys, my program, my family. I guess you could say. But I'll still find a way to watch the Dayton Flyers play basketball because you know, I've been going to those games for forever. It seems like, and this year, number six in the country isn't too bad. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Steve, like you, like you've been saying, um, you know, you're you're extremely busy, and I know. Congrats on having another uh, daughter on the way, and just you know, really appreciate your time again. You know, you're head head coach at a, a powerhouse, so know your time's valuable, and and we appreciate you coming on and just kind of talking about your program and just how you um how how you do things at Sinclair. I appreciate that too, and thanks for having me. And I guess the only thing I would just want to add on there is just. You know, I thought about this before we were doing this podcast. I've done a couple of them, maybe the last couple of years and recently. But I think with, with coaches and the coaches that listen or look at podcasts and stuff, just always try to keep in the forefront, like, why you do it and what's your reason why. And I think that's what upsets me sometimes with the, the over-recruitment or the way players are treated or, you know, this guy doesn't perform, so we throw him in the corner and we don't talk to him and we try to get him to transfer. Like, those things bother me in our game because, like, that's not the reason you guys started coaching. He started coaching, hopefully – because you want to make an impact and be a positive impact on young people's lives and teach them the greatest game in the world. And um, I just reminded every single day, just by my players and the group I'm in, it's, it's the video chat group that just like keep the players is the most important thing. Cause they are. And I love my guys. And you know, the other day we had a little bit of a heart to heart and a couple guys like, Oh, I'm ready to run through a wall. I'm like, well, don't hurt the wall. Like relax. <laughs> like, but, uh, but they, they, they know I love them. They know I care about them and, and that's why I do it. That's why we're here. It's not any other, other nonsense. It's because we love this game and we love our players and the people we get to be around. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate you adding that last part in. Thank you. You have a good one. Good luck uh, next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Steve Dinneman. Um, if you enjoy the show um, and you want to help other coaches and or players or parents learn and develop and just uh, find another way to, to kind of give back uh, to the baseball world, please make sure to uh, retweet this, share it on social media, text it to somebody. Um, it really helps the overall uh, rating of the show. And again, it just it helps more people uh, find out about the show and the awesome guests I've been able to have on. So. Uh, Appreciate all of you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.